Hello, my name is Dr. Ling Huang, and in this episode, we will be discussing about enzymes. We will look at its active sites, and particular terms such as apoenzyme, holoenzyme, prosthetic groups, and enzyme specificity. I will also discuss about the energy of activation and the structure of enzymes. I will also describe about the mechanism of action of enzymes, as well as the factors that affect its activity. First of all, why are enzymes important? Nearly all biological processes in the body require enzymes to occur. And without these enzymes, these reactions will not occur fast enough to sustain life. Enzymes in the body can be used for food digestion, such as pepsin and trypsin, lipases and amylases, enzymes for DNA and RNA synthesis, such as helicases and polymerases, as well as for energy production, such as hexokinase and pyruvate kinase. Enzymes are proteins that increase the rate of reaction by lowering the energy of activation. They catalyze nearly all the chemical reactions that take place in the cells of our body. They are not altered or consumed during the reaction, meaning that they can be recycled after its chemical reaction and that they are reusable for the next round of chemical reactions. Enzymes contain a special pocket or cleft in its structure called the active site. And the active site contains functional groups to bind substrates called the binding site. And upon binding the substrate, it is then able to catalyze it to produce the products. And this is called the catalytic site. These functional groups are from amino acids or bound cofactors. And a substrate is a molecule that the enzyme binds specifically onto the active site. The enzyme then binds the substrate to form the enzyme-substrate complex. When the substrate binds an enzyme in the active site, an enzyme-substrate complex is formed. The enzyme-substrate complex is a transition state complex at a high energy state, and it is an intermediate complex between the substrate and product. Within the active site of the enzyme-substrate complex, the reaction occurs by making or breaking bonds to then convert the substrate to the product. The products are released, allowing another substrate molecule to continue binding the enzyme. This cycle of enzyme converting the substrate to its products can be repeated millions of times per minute. The overall reaction for the conversion of substrate to product can then be written as enzyme plus substrate to form the enzyme-substrate complex, and this is a reversible reaction, to then continue to form the enzymes plus product. The enzyme can only bind and catalyze a single substrate, and this is called the enzyme specificity. The enzyme may recognize and catalyze a single substrate. For example, urease catalyzes only the hydrolysis of urea, or the enzyme may recognize and catalyze a group of similar substrates, such as hexokinase, adding a phosphate group to a group of substrates, which are hexoses. And the third type of spe enzyme specificity, it can, it can recognize and catalyze a particular type of bond. For example, in chymotrypsin, 
catalyzes the hydrolysis of peptide bonds. So how do enzymes work and how do they catalyze chemical reactions? All chemical reactions require some form of energy to start the reaction, and this is called the activation energy. So enzymes increase the reaction rate of a chemical reaction by decreasing the activation energy. For lactose to break down into the products of glucose and galactose, you need the enzyme of lactase. Without it, it takes a long time and a lot of energy to proceed with the chemical reaction. But with the lactase, it reduces the activation energy to be able to convert from lactose to glucose and galactose. And there are two types of enzyme-substrate interactions. First is the lock and key model. This is when the active site of the enzyme has a rigid shape, and only substrates with the matching shape can fit the active site, hence a called a lock and key model. This explains the enzyme specificity between the enzyme and the substrate, and also explains the loss of activity when the enzymes denature, changing the active site. However, this is an older model and doesn't work for all enzymes. Whereas in the induced fit model, this is more consistent with a wider range of enzymes. In this model, the active site of the enzyme is flexible and not rigid. And the shapes of the enzyme and the active site adjust to maximize the fit to the substrate, which improves the catalysis process. And this increases a wider range of substrate specificity to be able to bind onto the enzyme. So what affects enzyme activity? There are three main factors. First is the environmental conditions such as pH, temperature and substrate concentration. And the second factor is when there are cofactors and coenzymes that are involved in the chemical reaction. And the third factor is when there are inhibitors inhibiting the enzyme activity. So let's now take a look at the first factor. You need an optimal temperature for which the enzymatic reaction can occur at the fastest rate. And most human enzymes function optimally at 37 degrees Celsius. This is because of protein denaturation that occurs at higher temperatures beyond the human body temperature. The pH also affects the rate of enzyme activity. There is increased enzyme activity when pH increases to physiological pH, and this occurs at the optimal pH of about 7 at neutral pH conditions. If the, if the optimal pH is either too low or too high, it can then cause ionization of the functional groups of the enzyme. However, some enzymes do prefer either acidic or basic conditions. For example, amylase is found in saliva and is used to hydrolyze starch to sugars, and it works at optimal pH of 7, whereas trypsin digests proteins in the small intestine, and the optimal pH is working at pH of 8. And if you look at pepsin, the optimal pH is around 2. Do you know why that is the case? That is because pepsin is an acidic protease that catalyzes the breakdown of proteins into peptides in the stomach. And its optimal activity functions best at a pH of 2. The rate of chemical reaction 
increases also with substrate concentrations. When substrate concentration increases until all the active sites of the enzymes are completely saturated with substrate, the rate of reaction is then at its maximum activity. And this is called Vmax, which is maximal velocity of the, of the enzyme. Enzymes don't usually work on its own. Sometimes it needs partners in order to carry out a chemical reaction. An enzyme without its partner, which is, which is a non-protein component, is an inactive enzyme. And this is called an apoenzyme. And when an apoenzyme binds its cofactor, it becomes the holoenzyme, which is an active enzyme. And these partner molecules are called cofactors. They can be classified into three different categories. One is the cofactors, which are essential ions. The second are coenzymes. And the third type are prosthetic groups. Cofactors are non-protein compounds, and they can be inorganic or organic. They can be bound covalently and tightly onto the enzyme, or they can be bound loosely to the enzyme, and they are required for catalysis. These essential ions can be iron, magnesium, calcium, or zinc. Coenzymes, on the other hand, are non-protein components, and they are organic molecules. They are loosely bound to the apoenzyme by non-covalent bonds. Examples of these coenzymes are NAD, FAD, ATP, and vitamins. And the third type of cofactors are prosthetic groups. These are non-protein components, and they are tightly bound to the apoenzyme by covalent bonds. An example of this is the heme group in hemoglobin. The heme group does not dissociate from, enzyme, from the enzyme until it is degraded. An example of an enzyme using cofactors is alcohol dehydrogenase. It catalyzes the breakdown of ethanol into acetaldehyde in the presence of the coenzyme NAD+. Alcohol dehydrogenase also uses an ion that is a cofactor. Can you tell me what it is? It contains a bound zinc ion. The zinc atom catalyzes the removal of hydrogen atom from ethanol, stabilizing the formation of the product acetaldehyde. A very important factor affecting enzyme activity are enzyme inhibitors. Inhibitors are compounds that decrease the rate of reaction of enzymes. They can mimic or participate in intermediate step in the catalytic reaction, and it can bind reversibly or irreversibly to the enzyme's active site. In irreversible inhibition, what happens is that the inhibitor covalently interact with the enzyme and that it cannot unbind from the enzyme, meaning that the inhibition is irreversible. And any compound that modifies the enzyme active site is an irreversible inhibitor. The modified enzyme is then dead and can be overcome with new enzymes. An example of irreversible inhibitors are neurotoxins. The nerve agents, such as serine, are organophosphates that inhibit acetylcholine esterase in the synapses of neurons. In a normal nerve cell, acetylcholine is a neurotransmitter that sends the signal to the muscle cell to perform a task, for example, to breathe. After the signal is sent, acetylcholine is then broken down by an enzyme called acetylcholine esterase. 
What serine does is it blocks the enzyme by, irre by irreversibly binding onto acetylcholine esterase. This blocks the enzyme active site, and the neurotransmitters keep sending signals across the nerve cells, causing the muscle to constantly contract. In reversible inhibition, there are three types of inhibitors, competitive, non-competitive, and uncompetitive inhibitors. What competitive inhibitors do is that they mimic a similar shape as to the substrate, and it binds onto the active site of the enzyme, blocking the active site, preventing the substrate from binding to it. With increasing inhibitor concentration, this lowers the enzyme activity. However, the inhibition is reversible, which means that it can be overcome by increasing the substrate concentration. And when the substrate concentration is increased, it will then compete with an inhibitor to rebind back the active site on the enzyme. An example of a competitive inhibitor is ritonavir. That is an HIV antiviral drug. The structure of ritonavir resembles that of a protein substrate for HIV proteins and directly competes with the substrate binding. This blocks new HIV particles from becoming mature HIV. Non-competitive inhibitors bind to a site that is on the enzyme that is other than the active site. It can bind onto the enzyme or the enzyme substrate complex, and the inhibition is reversible, reducing the enzyme activity, but does not affect the binding of the substrate. And the extent of inhibition depends on the inhibitor concentration. With increasing concentration, the enzyme activity will decrease. An example of a non-competitive inhibitor is cyanide. What cyanide does is it binds to the cytochrome C oxidase, which is an enzyme in the electron transport chain. Cyanide binds onto an allosteric site onto cytochrome C oxidase. An ATP cannot be made since the enzyme can no longer pass electrons to oxygen to convert it to water. Hence, cellular respiration can no longer uptake oxygen and can only respire anaerobically. This builds up lactic acid in the blood, leading to eventual death. And for uncompetitive inhibitors, they bind only to the enzyme substrate complex. The uncompetitive inhibitor affects the substrate binding by increasing enzyme activity for the substrate. The enzyme substrate inhibitor complex then becomes inactive and decreases the rate of reaction. And in allosteric inhibition, enzymes contain both an active site and a modulator site. What happens is that the allosteric inhibitor binds onto the enzyme at the modulator site, changing the conformation of the enzyme. This then decreases the catalytic activity of the substrate at the active site. An example of this are direct thrombin inhibitors. What the inhibitor does is it binds onto the allosteric sites, acting as anticoagulants of thrombin. And there is another type called feedback inhibition. What happens here is that the enzyme activity is inhibited by the end product in the biochemical pathway. This occurs when there is a buildup of products being produced. And there is a negative feedback that slows down the production to maintain the homostasis in a cell. This happens in the regulation of ATP production. It is important to maintain ATP levels in the body and to produce only when it's needed in glucose metabolism.
This happens in the process called glycolysis, where it's the catabolism of glucose to final products such as ATP, NADH, and pyruvate. In glycolysis, there is a step where fructose 6-phosphate is converted to fructose 1,6-biphosphate, and this is regulated by an enzyme called phosphofructokinase, or PFK. What happens is when ATP levels increase at, or at high energy levels, ATP binds onto an allosteric site on PFK to decrease the rate of reaction of this conversion. Glycolysis is then inhibited and ATP production decreases. This negative feedback inhibition then maintains ATP concentrations in a cell so that glycolysis only takes place and glucose is only metabolized at low ATP levels and low energy levels in the body. So by the end of this episode, you would have learned about enzymes and the related terms such as active sites, apoenzymes, holoenzymes, prostatic groups and enzyme specificity, and you would have learned about how enzymes are catalyzed by lowering the energy of activation and all the different factors that affect its activity.